Instant Reaction Podcast, HawkeyeNation.com. Andrew Downs here with you on a nice, not perfect Saturday evening in the state of Iowa. Uh, nice in the fact that your Iowa Hawkeyes, 25th ranked in the country, moved to 3-0, and got through non-conference play undefeated, uh, and scored more points than they've scored in years uh, in a 41-10 win over Western Michigan at Kinnick Stadium uh, this afternoon. Uh, not not a perfect game by any means, and, and we'll dig into all of that, but uh, a win is a win, right? And in heaven there is no beer, and uh, you feel good about uh, not just getting out of there with a win, but some of the things you saw, you feel bad about some of the other things you saw, uh, such as life. That's football, as Kirk Ferentz, I believe, would say. Um, on one hand, you you win a game, you go 3-0, and uh, you get out of the non-con undefeated as I said on the other hand you potentially lose one of your biggest offensive weapons in Luke Lachey Uh, I am doing this late enough to see that Kirk Ferentz said I think a a fairly significant injury is what they expect and uh, they'll know more in a few days but anybody who saw the injury to Lachey's ankle um, it it doesn't look good and you know don't want to speculate on on how bad that could be or what ultimately it will be Um, but it feels like we'll be without, again, one of our biggest offensive weapons uh, for the foreseeable future, at least. Uh, the good news on the injury front, it, it seems like uh, Jazzy and Patterson wasn't a big deal, the uh, injury that uh, ultimately took him out of the game. And the, the Caleb Johnson thing is going to be, I think, something that we're dealing with for a few weeks. Uh, week to week, I believe, is is what Kirk Ferentz said, and uh, is that high ankle sprain? Is that something like that? Uh, that That's not great. It apparently was something he was dealing with in Ames last week, and maybe that's why you didn't see the explosive burst out of him that you saw out of Jazzy and Patterson. Um, so, you know, the injury front hasn't been great, but that that's as good as Iowa has run the ball in, in years. That's as good as Iowa's rushing offense has looked in a long time. Uh, and then the bad side of that is the the passing offense has left a lot to be desired, and uh, the rust and the lack of chemistry and whatever you want to call it, however you want to uh, categorize what Iowa's passing offense is going through, it's it's certainly a uh, a cause for concern, and uh, things have not been figured out on that front, and you don't have any more time because now here comes Penn State, and you're in Big Ten play. Now it does look like the Big Ten West is uh, is a a winnable division regardless of how good uh, Iowa is this year. But again, it, it it's starting to feel, as I said last week, like this is a team much like the last couple who uh, can beat most of the teams in front of it and uh, will win eight, nine, ten games and uh, maybe not be pretty all the time, but uh, capable of of getting wins, grinding out wins. But when it comes to the really good teams that that are on the schedule or that you ultimately have to go against to win the big prizes, uh, you just fall a little short. And so we'll find out next Saturday night in Happy Valley in the whiteout on CBS. Uh, Big time, big time stage. And uh, is Iowa up to the challenge? Can they make that step up? Can they ugly that game up enough to stay in it and give themselves a shot at the end? You know, time's going to tell. Let's let's continue to talk about this game against Western Michigan. Started out with that uh, interception from Cade McNamara, and it was a great play by the uh, the Western Michigan D-back, but a bad throw. Uh, it was behind the receiver. Not not a good interception from Cade McNamara, and it's one of those things, but 
that um, you know for all the the heat that uh, Spencer Petras took over the last couple of years, um, you know not throwing the ball away was certainly uh, one of his strengths most of the time. And um, Cade McNamara is just a little looser with that, and that's okay uh, because I think we'll see the the benefits on that on the other side of things uh, more often than we did with Spencer Petras, but. That early interception could have hurt, uh, ultimately didn't hurt all that much. Uh, you get a couple of punts there, and then the long touchdown play for Western Michigan, which is just so uncharacteristic, a handful of explosive plays from this offense, which, again, is just uncharacteristic of our defense to give that up. Uh, 64-yard touchdown, had another long touchdown that was called back due to an ineligible receiver downfield, a couple of really long runs where it really felt like Iowa lost edge contain on the quarterback and uh, just some, again, some uh, unexpectedly explosive plays from that offense. So you you worry a little bit about what you saw from the defense today, but ultimately uh, they did figure it out and they will figure it out. I saw Justin Van Leer tweeted this out after the game. Uh, in the first half, Iowa allowed 204 yards to Western Michigan. In the third quarter, Western Michigan had 13 plays for 16 yards. In the fourth quarter, 10 plays for 19 yards. Zero points and 35 yards allowed in the second half by Iowa and so they did get it figured out and you trust this defense to get things figured out uh, and if you can hold the team to 10 points uh, even giving up some explosive plays you feel pretty good about your odds of winning but that that was a big touchdown in the first quarter and then to follow that up with the missed field goal uh, from Drew Stevens as well as the Luke Lachey injury which again was gruesome uh, I broke my ankle playing football in high school my sophomore year my junior year rather um I was a tight end. Ugh, this is getting kind of eerie. Tight end. Hey, I caught the ball in third down, got the first down, but came up and my my foot was pointing the wrong way. And uh, let's just say it was it was a long time before I walked on that leg again. So I hope that that's not the case for Luke Lachey, but that did look bad and uh, and is worrisome moving forward. The nice thing is you have Eric All. Uh, who you got from the transfer portal, who's obviously got a good chemistry with Cade McNamara, had a big reception down the middle of the field uh, in this game and uh, caught the two-point conversion, I believe, uh, in this game. And so uh, you, again, kind of like the Noah Shannon thing, where it's like if you're going to lose somebody, that's a position where there's some depth. Uh, But you can only say that so many times, and and you are still losing, uh, you know, top-level starting players at these positions uh, Luke Lachey is an NFL tight end and uh, will he be able to come back this year if he doesn't will he come back next year will he go to the NFL you know only time will tell uh, but hope the best for Luke Lachey maybe we'll get a miracle and some good news uh, later this week so you had the missed field goal but then the the nice touchdown and LaShawn Williams a revelation in this game again with uh, with Caleb Johnson out and Jazz Patterson a little tweaked up uh, LaShawn Williams had that big gainer early in the second quarter. Uh, that led to the Deontay Vines touchdown, his first touchdown uh, from Cade McNamara. And again, Williams just, just looked good in that position. Um, a few... Uh, oh, and then it was the, the, the great punt from Torrey Taylor, downed at the one. Uh, and, and again, how many times have we seen... A situation like that where Iowa punts the ball into inside the five and then it turns into uh, some offense quickly because Iowa holds them to a three and out. You get the ball after a uh, uh, you get the ball on the twenty five yard line and it's just one play. McNamara that little screen pass to Lashawn Williams for the touchdown. 
you have the lead. You don't give up any more points. That's essentially the game. You did have a chance at the end of the half to put some more points up on the board, but again, McNamara kind of going for it all on third down, trying to get the ball to the end zone, gets picked off. Uh, not a play that, that hurts you, similar to kind of the interception against Iowa State where it's almost like an arm punt and uh, ultimately doesn't doesn't affect you all that much. And that was really good to see. And then you come out in the second half and, and you look good again. And Kamari Moulton had a really, really nice second half. He played well. He scored a couple of touchdowns. You got the fumble uh, off of uh, off the the quarterback of of Western Michigan uh, recovered down to like the inside the red zone for Iowa and that led to Kamari Moulton's second touchdown. You had the field goal uh, late and then you know for those of us who had Iowa to cover uh, that last little touchdown. That's an interesting little touchdown drive because on one hand I'm surprised Iowa ultimately scored there. I thought. You know, holding my betting ticket that I was, I had a loser in my hand because Iowa usually doesn't go down and score. But they had Deacon Allen. They wanted to get him some reps, and uh, the timing of everything just allowed uh, Iowa to have this many plays. And so they weren't going to kick a field goal on fourth and go with the two. You're not going to just lay down. You're not going to kneel down. Uh, you just run the ball in the end zone. And and so is there some gamesmanship there with the Brian Ferentz 25 points a game, which we are now over uh, on the average for the season through three games, thanks to the 41 points put up this this game. We haven't seen any evidence that the Ferentzes are chasing points up to this point. So I think that's probably a stretch, but it's certainly a stretch that some are going to make uh, as that continues to be a talking point. Ultimately, it's a 41-10 to 10 win. Uh, it's, a, it's a nice kind of uh, not not easy breezy by any means when you're 14 to 10 at halftime but um, a nice kind of put them away win late in the in the or early in the second half and uh, just kind of roll to a win late and I think that's what people needed it's what you wanted to see on a beautiful day inside Kinnick Stadium and now you turn your attention to Penn State we'll do that in just a minute after we look at some team stats Quick look at the box score first. Cade McNamara, 9 of 19 for 103 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Again, just not the the kind of numbers or efficiency that that we hoped to see out of this offense or out of this quarterback uh, three games into the season. Um, there's still obviously time to turn that around, and there are a lot of issues surrounding that. Uh, he didn't need to do a whole lot today with the running game doing what it was doing, uh, but ultimately you, you, you need to see a better downfield passing game you just need to see a more efficient passing game and uh, and eliminate those turnovers for rushing LaShawn Williams 145 yards on 12 carries uh, that's that's obviously a wonderful stat line 53 yards was his long uh, he didn't get into the end zone uh, running the ball he did get into the end zone on that uh, screen pass he had two receptions for 27 yards in that touchdown Kamar Moulton had 50 yards on eight carries he had the two touchdowns Terrell Washington Jr. 31 yards on six carries he looked pretty good Seth Anderson had the 30 yard carry on the end around Jazz Patterson six carries for 20 yards uh, Caleb Brown touched the ball a couple of times in the running game two for eight max white three for three with that touchdown late and uh and McNamara got sacked five times so uh that's that's how you get to 43 carries 254 yards rushing for the Hawkeyes which I believe I saw as the most since uh 
since 2019, potentially. Um, and again, 145 yards for LaShawn Williams. It doesn't matter who you're playing against. That's a hell of a stat line. Uh, and that was great. Eric All uh, led the team in reception yards with just one catch for 34 yards, the the one I had referenced earlier. Um, Stelianos had uh, two catches for 29 yards. LaShawn Williams, the, the couple of catches for 27. Estranga uh, in at tight end after Luke Lachey went down. He had a couple of catches for 19 yards. Seth Anderson, just one catch. 13 yards, Deontay Vines had a couple of catches, 7 yards, and the touchdown. And Nico Ragini had the catch for 4 yards. Um, so again, not not a whole lot to write home about in the passing game, but a fantastic game uh, in the on, on the running side of the ball. Uh, defensively, you again, you gave up 4 sacks, I think is what they technically have it for. Uh, for Cade McNamara, uh, for that Western Michigan defense, that's, that's rough. Uh, he was under pressure a lot, and you didn't love to see that. But again, the offensive line looked a lot better on the running game side of things. Defensively for Iowa, nine t- uh, tackles was the most by both Nick Jackson and Jay Higgins. Quinn Schulte and Y.A. Black each with six, and then a handful of guys uh, with more than that. Uh, no interceptions for the Hawkeyes. Uh, did have the, the fumble recovery uh, in that game. Torrey Taylor, four punts. 167 yards, had two inside the 20, the one down to the the one-yard line. Drew Stevens, one of two uh, on the field goals, long of 31, 4-4 from the extra points. Let's look quickly again at the uh, the team stats. 19 first downs for Iowa to just eight for Western Michigan, four of 12 from third down for Iowa. That's not very good. 387 total yards, just 133 of those passing, 254 on the ground. Iowa just one penalty for five yards, uh, eight penalties for Western Michigan. The Hawkeyes had the two turnovers, lost the turnover battle uh, with the two interceptions from Cade McNamara, just got the one fumble, and uh, time of possession, Iowa had 33 minutes, just under 34, and uh, and Western Michigan just over 26. Not going to garner a lot of, uh, of information or analysis out of uh, stats after a game like this. And so we look ahead, and Iowa has a Penn State team that uh, that beat Illinois today, thirty to thirteen. Five takeaways for Penn State. That's a defense that uh, that's going after the ball right now. Uh, seventh ranked Penn State is uh, is three and zero on the season. Will Iowa be ranked coming into this game? I think probably so. I doubt they drop out after a forty-one to ten win, and so this will be a ranked game. Again, in Happy Valley, under the lights, a 6.30 kick on CBS, the the main crew, all of the things, the music, it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be great, the whiteout, all of it. Can Iowa step up? Can Iowa get to a place where, again, they can keep this game close? Do they they muddy it up? Do they run clock? Do they play the way Iowa plays, certainly in games like this? And uh, are they able to take care of the ball, limit mistakes, have perfect special teams, no turnovers, turn over Penn State? Uh, deal with that that crowd and that noise and the the stage. The nice thing is you have a leader in Cade McNamara who's done this before. He's been here before. Uh, he hit Eric All for the game-winning touchdown over Penn State a couple of years ago in a huge game for Michigan, and uh, and that was at Penn State as well. And so he, he seems to thrive on these uh, these environments. I uh, one of the things he said. I don't remember if it was after the game 
the Cyhawk game last week or if it was during the week this week. Uh, but he talked about after Iowa State scored their late touchdown to pull the game within seven, and uh, Iowa State crowd does this Cyclone power chant where one half of the stadium yells Cyclone, the other half of the stadium yells Power. It's uh, pretty cheesy, but it's what they do. Uh, but when you're in there and it's a moment like that and the crowd is really into it, it does give you chills, right? It does feel like big-time college football. And, uh, and Cade McNamara talked about that. And he's like, those are the situations that you want to be in. That's, that's where I thrive. That's where uh, I want to be. And so he's going to have plenty of opportunity to do something like that a week from tonight in, uh, in Happy Valley. And it's just a huge game for Iowa. Not if you lose. If you lose, it's like, okay, back to the drawing board. Uh, you know, you look ahead to the rest of the schedule. You've got a, a, Penn, or a Michigan State team, rather, that's uh, going through a lot of interesting stuff right now. They're coming to Kinnick a week after the Penn State game. You're home against Purdue after that. You're at Wisconsin, right? And, I mean, none of these teams, Minnesota lost to North Carolina today. Northwestern is no good. Rutgers, Illinois doesn't look great. I don't know how Nebraska is doing right now. But um, you just, you're just you just not that scared of anybody else on the schedule. Uh, so this is the game. This is the opportunity. If you don't win this game, even if you win out and you're 11-1, and there's going to be questions about how good are you? Who did you actually beat? Who did you actually play? Can you step up and play, you know, the best team from the East in the Big Ten championship game? Can you compete at the highest levels of college football? It doesn't really feel like that right now, but we've seen Iowa teams uh, play their style and and dictate pace and tempo and play mistake-free football and upset teams like this before. And, and we've seen it in this series a lot. There's a lot of close games in this series between Iowa and Penn State. Uh, it's one of the, the most fun series that we have, the most fun rivalries we have. It got real chippy a couple of years ago with that top five matchup in Kinnick Stadium that Iowa ultimately won. Uh, and that, uh, you know, Penn State, whether or not their players were, you know, taking dives in order to slow Iowa's, you know, notoriously fast-paced offense down uh, or to get breathers right to kind of keep that game close. Uh, there was a lot of talk after that game. I don't think there's any love lost between James Franklin and Kirk Ferentz. And it's, it's, it's all there. It's all on the line. It's, it's all of the things you want uh, when you're at this level of college football. You want these games. You want these moments. Can Iowa step up? And, uh, and certainly, A, not embarrass themselves, but B, go there and pull a win, pull an upset, shock the country, show everybody you are who you are. Because if you do that and then you run through the rest of your schedule, I mean, you know, the sky is the limit for this team. And, uh, and there's just nobody else that scares you. So here's your moment. Here's your time. Let's go get it done. We're going to have it covered at HawkeyeNation.com from all angles at all times. Check it out, HawkeyeNation.com. If you miss any of uh, any of our podcasts, just uh, give us a subscription. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Hawkeye Nation. And, uh, and I'll be back this week with an opposition research podcast looking at Penn State, diving deep into that game. Joe Schmelke and myself will be back Thursday for the HawkeyeNation.com radio show where we'll recap this game in, in more depth and look ahead to the big, 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 big game. I can't ex- I can't overexpress how big this game is at Penn State uh, a week from Saturday. I appreciate you listening. Enjoy this one. Uh, be nice to your Iowa State friends and family. Ooh, what a rough loss for the Cyclones at Ohio. That's that's not good. It's not good. So be be kind. Be kind as you realize. Hey, we reside in in the Hawkeye State. We're three and zero. We're playing on national TV in a major game this weekend, and they're wondering what the future of their football program is. So uh, be kind. Be kind.
I appreciate you listening, and go Hawks!